Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eastern Conference Confidential episode 14. Um, we are the, the first, the only, and arguably the best, by default, podcast that covers the, uh, the Eastern Conference of the USL, which is America's Premier Division II Soccer League. Uh, that being said, tonight I am joined by Ryan Allen, and before you ask, not, not you, Robert, before the, uh, the audience asks, no, Brendan isn't dead, I promise, he's very much alive, he is packing, he is leaving for London tomorrow, I know that's a really good alibi, but it's actually happening, yeah, uh, Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well, doing good. pretty well. good. Um, I had like a longer drawn out joke uh, when we recorded this the first time and then uh, <laughs> I lost that so, uh, so we're here again uh, that being said I'm not really going to just you know, waste any, any more of our time um, you guys indulge me enough by doing this every week anyway um, yeah so, so last week uh, Thursday was the start of things with Orlando City B losing to Louisville City uh, with Louisville taking it three to one. Um, Cameron Lancaster, George Davis, the fourth, Luke Spencer, all get goals, and then Orlando still can't score by themselves. They need help from their friends, Tariq Morad, with an own goal, forty-second minute. Um, Ryan, I guess, kind of just your your thoughts on the match. Yeah, I think it was interesting. It's a worrying sight for Orlando that they haven't scored a goal of their own this year through two matches. And they, they won possession just barely, 51-49, and, but Louisville definitely controlled the shot battle all night with a 17-11 advantage. In fact, 11 of Louisville's shots were in the box, and Orlando only had 11 shots all night. Louisville won the shots on target with 8-3. to But I think what points to Orlando a lot more is they had 22 crosses on the night to Louisville's 15, so if they were trying to create offensive chances from across it just shows that they didn't convert and that definitely hurt chances for Louisville down the road or for Orlando down the road yeah yeah uh, <laughs> uh we'll, we'll get to it in a bit but it doesn't get much easier for Orlando uh next week uh for sure uh, next match, uh, we're skipping around a little bit just because I want to save the Bethel 1 for last. Uh, New York Red Bull 2-1, Richmond 0. Um, Zyka Lewis, who, who gave a really weird super draft speech when he was picked by Red Bull and said that he'll make everyone pay for not picking him or something, um, gets his first step on the on the Zyka Lewis revenge tour, scoring against Richmond. Um, vintage Red Bull, besides scoring more goals yeah I mean this was basically classic or I guess I'll, I'll say textbook New York Red Bulls too from last year that they knew how to control a match I mean they won possession 58-41 or 58-42 all not and outshot the kicker 16-5 in fact New York also had a 100% tackle accuracy on 17 tackles on defense so they're definitely all about knowing how to take control of a match and just how to hold a lead. Yeah, yeah. Um, and really, with a lot of their, their departures from, from last year being attack-minded, um, the fact that they can hold on to a 1-0 is a big testament to, to kind of how uh, John Wolniak has, has altered their 
course ever so slightly. Um, I, yeah, I don't they think. Opened up. Go ahead. I don't Go think ahead. if you're Richmond, you know, you're you're disappointed by this or anything. Um, but it's it's not ideal for sure. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be disappointed by this if I was Richmond at all. I'm, I'm just recent form. I definitely put New York as being a potential top four team in the Eastern Conference, along with a few others that we'll name later and Louisville that preceded this. But it's not a worrying sight for Richmond. They will have another chance actually against Louisville next week. But New York's just one of those really good teams that always seems to replace talent and. In fact, this match even opened up their new home stadium at Mock St. Clair State, where they unveiled two banners, and the USL site even listed the actual attendance at 806, <laughs> so it's at least that. The uh, the actual, actual attendance, not the actual fake attendance. Uh, yeah, no, really good for Red Bull 2 to get out of Red Bull Arena as much as I like the venue in terms of uh, I think it looks pretty, um, and, and for no other reason, because um, everything inside of it's awful. Um, but yeah, no, good for them to get out to Montclair. It's a lot easier to pack or uh, or at least draw in a stadium on a college where you're offering kids five dollar tickets than it is to try to get people to drive in the in the Harrison, New Jersey for a uh, at the time you know Division three game. Uh, yeah, and just the cavernous there. Yeah, that yeah, it's it very it sounded very cavernous. It's kind of like the uh, empty stadium games that you'll see occasionally on like BN Sport between you know Ecuador and Uruguay or something. Um, yeah. Speaking of, of, of good teams kind of starting to find their form, well, maybe. Uh, FC Cincinnati took a one nothing win over Pittsburgh. Um, Shout-outs to our friends at Cincy Soccer Talk and the like for, uh, for making the trip out there. That was kind of a really cool atmosphere that I think we haven't seen a whole lot of in, in USL. Um, Gaelic Basamonde did not help his team at all. He had a second yellow 42 minutes in. Um, I will argue, and I think this is a very cold take, that uh, Cincinnati should have lit it up after that point, and they did not. Yeah, it was surprising. I mean, with only their one lone goal of the night was DG, or DGB fall in the 55th minute. Yeah. It just seemed like they needed... That they should have scored more than what being only up a man indicated. I mean, they outshot Pittsburgh 16 to 10, but both sides equaled the number of shots they had on target at four. I think FCC falls into the same category with Orlando B that they failed to convert on specific offensive chances. They also had 22 crosses on the night, and with only one goal, it seems really hard to be thrilled about the offense they have produced right now. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, the battery took a 2-0 win over the Independents, uh, which is weird if you look at the stat sheet at all. Um, Charlotte owning 62% of the ball with, uh, with Charleston only getting 37.6%. But, um, I, I think, uh, in his postgame presser, Bethlehem's head coach hit the nail on the head for a lot of these, um, old guard kind of teams where, they don't value the ball, but when they have it, that's when they're really dangerous. Um, I, I think the you know it was true of Rochester with uh, with similar possession stats when they played Bethlehem, and I think it's true of Charleston when they played Charlotte. Um, busy backline for the battery, but they uh, you know they're comfortable with that in a way. Um, 
any uh, yeah, I mean, any fourth lasso recorded his second goal in the year in the 77th minute to kind of, or off a header from a he free kick into the box. Yep. He leads the team in goals and shots, so it definitely shows that their back line is very busy. And back to what you said with every old guard team being really defensive-minded. I mean, Charleston clearly backs that up with 26 clearances on the night, 29 interceptions. It, you know, I agree with you that teams, that, that they may not hold the ball for as long, but when they have it, they make it count. I mean, out of tw- Charleston's only 12 shots, they had five of them on goal compared to Charlotte's two when they had a lot more shots, just yeah. maybe from a more efficient mindset. Yeah, they, they don't hold the ball for very long on the attack because they're too busy chipping it over your defenders. Um, Tampa Bay finally figured out how to become a dominant USL team that we thought they were going to be right out the gate. Uh, 4-0 win over Toronto FC 2 uh, Damian Lowe, Georgie Kristoff, Joe Cole, Deshaun Brown, that's a very scary um, group of guys to, to all have score in the same match, especially Cole and Brown both getting off of Duck in, uh, in USL, uh, you know, in the same game. Um, poor Toronto. Man, just not a, I know, it's just, <laughs> not a good day at the like office for their them. match at all during the entire match. Yeah. I mean, Tampa basically controlled possession 60-40 and they had nine shots on goal from their total 16 compared to Toronto's only one shot from seven but the Rowdies like from this match it appeared that they are a dangerous team in the Eastern Conference finally their offense came alive and personally in my opinion I feel like Tampa would be the like almost Atlanta United of the USL that would be a very strong offensive side and just one that should be like a really fun squad to watch yeah yeah, um, I I really can't wait for them to play Cincinnati. Um, I don't think either of those teams know how to defend, and that's going to be a, a fun game. Um, It'll be a rematch of their Open Cup match last year. It's true. It's true. A little more and on the line. One, yeah, I mean, one Tampa Bay player that always really surprised, or I guess not surprising, but that's been really consistent is Michael Nashoff, who leads the league in yep. 11 chances created. Hey, thank you, Opta, for contributing these stats this we year. We love you. But <laughs> the person in second only has five chances created, so he's almost above and beyond creating offensive opportunities. I mean, we talked on our first recording of this that you basically said it's important mm-hmm. with these players like his first draft, Brown and Cole, scoring these goals, that to have players such as Nanshoff setting up all these plays, all these passes, to get to scoring all these goals yeah yeah it's really more more important than tampa having a a, a spoil of riches offensively with with those three guys um especially deshaun brown i think is the most dangerous out of out of all of them but you you need a guy who can who can set you up for those goals um i i don't think maybe deshaun brown more than cole and and Christoph, but you know those guys are very um, poetry, very like Wondolowski esque, or wow, that's a tough one. Wondolowski esque, there it is. Um, in their in their attacking, so it's you know they'll get in front. You just got to get the ball on their on their head or on a foot, and uh, there is legitimately no one half as good at doing that in the USL right now than uh, than Michael Nanshoff. Yeah, I mean, uh, you can make the argument that. What he does is almost as valuable as just scoring a goal. I mean, what chances created is a stat is just key passes plus assists. 
right. and there are a lot of times throughout the year where we um, see where the pass is why they scored the goal. I, uh, I I think I think it's almost more important. Uh, like I, I played half an hour of soccer uh, uh, yesterday, so so Sunday, um, and today I want to die. But other than that, like, I think that if Michael Manchoff is teeing me up in the box, like, I could put away a couple of those, which is not to discredit any of the strikers on Tampa Bay. I just think that he's that good that he can put it pretty much anywhere for anybody on the planet, and they can score. Maybe, like, you know, they'll get hit in the face or something, but it'll go in. Yeah, I mean, Michael Manchoff is one of or at least three Tampa Bay players that I had on my first team of the week for Indomitable City Soccer for the Eastern Conference. Hey, Josh. Hey, Kyle. Well, but it, that was along with Damian Lowe and uh, Georgie Hersteroff. Yep. Of who just, it shows that Tampa, like you said earlier, has an embarrassment of riches, that they're going to be a very strong team. And just recent form, they may you know, be on their way to an Eastern Conference top spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Louis 3, Ottawa 2. It's our first look at the Fury this year. Um, you know, now that I look at it for a second time, I think any team gives up two goals in the first ten minutes. Uh, I don't know that they battle back like Ottawa does. Uh, really, and I, I think the Fury were unlucky that they gave up an own goal 88 minutes in because they had the draw. And I'm not going to go as far to say as they deserved it necessarily, but... Um, yeah, no, good Good for them to battle back. A little bit unfortunate, unlucky at the end. And uh, on top of that, the uh, the, the cards were, were uh, plentiful in the last 10 minutes with, uh, with a red going to Ottawa. Yeah, I mean, Valeski and Bergman opened up the scoring for St. Louis in the first 10 minutes with scoring in the 5th and ninth, respectfully, or respectively. Then Eddie Edwards came back in the 11th, mm-hmm. in fact. Yeah, Obasa with his goal in the 83rd it seemed like that this would be headed for a draw I mean like you said it's just unfortunate they had to get an own goal out of it but what Ottawa put up wasn't discouraging they outshot St. Louis 18-16 to and St. Louis did win shots and targets 6-5 to but hmm. it's not a discouraging result I mean any team that battles back against one coached by Precky it, it's a really encouraging result for the rest of the year yeah, uh, man, I like if I just really want Christian Valeski on like my team. You know, he's like one of those guys, or like a Corey Herzog, where they're just good for goals whenever they play. Um, I think it's stupid that he got off <laughs> so early, uh, scored five minutes in. Um, Again, Ottawa, another team that does not have an easy go of things next week, and that red card really uh, is going to impede it being easier than it will be. Um, that being said, I guess we'll finally get to talk about the game that I, uh, that I attended in person. Uh, Bethlehem Steel and Rochester both opened up their season uh, a week later than everybody else. Uh Really, really crazy match. Uh, Bethlehem 2, Rochester 3. Um, Darius Madison decided nine minutes in that he wanted to make everybody um, go, oh yeah, of course you score uh, against your your former organization's affiliate. Uh, Wall fall on the 34th, and then uh, Charlie Davies gets a, a bit of a gift 
with a, a penalty that he converts at the uh, death of the first half, literally the last kick. Um, Sekukone scores in the 72nd off of a penalty, and then uh, Groff for Rochester pretty much two minutes after being denied a, a wide-open chance on net by Tomas Romero, the, uh, the um, El Salvadorian 16-year-old who actually just got called into their, uh, their U16 national camp uh, national team camp today um but uh, two minutes later groff uh, might have been offside maybe not i haven't taken uh, you know a, a fourth and a fifth look at it um not one of those things i'm mad about either way uh i think there's a lot of positives to take from both sides here but uh, i guess i guess ryan i'll let you kind of uh, indulge me on that one yeah i mean the stats were pretty interesting uh, bethlehem had a 60 to 40 he advantaged on possession and took more shots than Rochester, except on, on targets where Rochester had five to Bethlehem's four. In fact, Bethlehem also had majority of their shots in the box at eight. Yeah, I still think it, it, like you said on the first recording of this, that these games are always very chippy and a lot of fouls. I mean, Rochester had 20 fouls in the mm-hmm. match, and their defense proved to be busy with 32 clearances and 44 interceptions. So, I mean, like you said, a positive to take from both sides, and just Rochester was able to get the better of Bethlehem this match. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I guess I'd be remiss to not talk about it, because when I'm doing a bunch of things for, for Cincinnati Land's uh, uh, finest soccer outlets this weekend, it'll come up a bunch uh, eight first-team guys is too many, in my opinion. I'm not the guy that makes the, uh, the decisions on any of that. But uh, eight is, an, is more than enough. Um, and I think, in a way, you kind of saw that negatively in uh, effect Bethlehem when, uh, when they started with Marcus Epps out, uh, paired with, with uh, Giuliano Wijnaldum on the right, just because those two guys have never seen each other before. Um, and then about a half hour in, when Santi Moore switched over and Epps took the left side, uh, they swapped wings. And that seemed to do a lot better for Bethlehem. So did the addition of a Jamaican international Corey Burke on the right wing and sometime Liberian international Seku Kone. Um, so it's it just a little weird for me that the USL guys seem to click better than the first team guys. Like, it's not just about your individual play and your uh, necessarily like not necessarily your your uh, your skill level or like your talent, but more just kind of team chemistry. And uh, I think the more USL guys you saw on the field for Bethlehem, the better their play got. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned back to with just how many MLS players are sent to the USL team. I, I still think for affiliations, partnerships, MLS owned t- teams, they need to strike that perfect balance between loaning players. I always think back to that match in 2015 when the or New York City FC he sent almost an entire starting lineup to Wilmington when they were playing New York Red Bulls 2 in there. and Wilmington happened to win that one just from fielding an NYCFC lineup. That, that almost seems to be overkill. That yeah. They need to draw a line in the sand that basically says we can accept these many players, but at some point, you also want to focus on your own players and your own team development. Yeah, so, and you know, I, I think when you have a team that plays eight guys from their affiliate, I, I think the question gets brought up a little bit more. Um, I, I think the season-long loan, I think, is a great idea. I don't really have a problem mm-hmm. with that one. 
That's a good idea. It, it, yeah, uh, and then I get the idea that you know having an affiliate means you can get these guys playing time. At the same time, I think for your short-term loans, which every MLS2 team, uh, regardless of their name or what kind of affiliation they have, uh, gets to short-term loan anybody they want in their organization for any reason uh, for, for, for games. Um, I think it should be hard-capped at like five a game. Um, and I don't know yet if I want that to include the season long or not. So like you get your season long and four other guys, or you get your season long and five, which would be six. Um, I'm leaning towards um, five total. So your your season long plus four. Um, but uh, again, that's one of those things where I, I, I kind of have to sit down and, and think about it in terms of how fair that is to everybody, because I know there is teams in the league that don't get the uh, the luxury of having their affiliate play an hour and a half from their first team. Or get the luxury of having an affiliate that would actually respond to their USL team. That too. I know we, we know a couple of those, not first. Well, you firsthand, not me firsthand. Uh, but there's there's a lot of like, uh, like but what if kind of situations in, in that mm-hmm. relationship uh, set up. So it's, it's not quite cut and dry. Um, but it's uh, it's interesting nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, I think with when both leagues keep developing together with MLS and USL, they'll continue to strike these perfect balances yeah. between each. I mean, we've talked at length on the show before previous weeks that teams that still have a good balance for an MLS USL partnership and teams that have a poor one mm-hmm. and everything in between. Yeah. Uh that being said, uh, that would wrap up the second week uh, that was, uh, and we will move on to this next week. Hey, the first game's tomorrow night, uh, Tuesday the 4th, Orlando City B plays Toronto FC 2. Uh, I guess the big kind of uh, headline coming into this one is, can Orlando City score a goal by themselves? Yeah, I do. I don't think they will. I mean, it's taken or it's taken them two matches to get to this point, and yes. it their offense just doesn't look any closer to scoring a goal on their own than it did in, against Louisville this past week. And but then Toronto, who's still currently on the Florida swing, who played Tampa Bay this past Saturday, got just just flat out beaten four 0 and that's going to be really tough. So this definitely looks like the all the makings of a comeback match for either side but I'm going to start off and I really hate to call it like this is but I'm going to have to go with a very dull nil-nil draw yeah you're uh, you're a big fan of starting things off with a whimper um (laughs) but uh yeah that's uh I don't think either of these teams are are good um nor do I think they have to be that's a whole nother topic about you know what uh, a MLS2 team values as success in in usl um spoiler alert for a lot of them it's not results especially if they share the same name as their parent club um that being said i I think i'll I'll stick with my guns here toronto fc2 orlando city b1 i'm not telling you if i think they get that by themselves because i don't know um i don't think a team can get that many own goals in the season but we'll find out um moving on uh Red Bull 2, Harrisburg City Islanders. This is kind of academic. 
almost. Um, Harrisburg coming off of a uh, off of a bye, uh, mm-hmm. and they get thrown right into the fire, as it were. Yeah, I mean, I always think back to with Harrisburg from last year, right, that they had a five-one defeat to New York, and I just always picture that New York has had Harrisburg's number regardless of whenever they played each other, and yeah. I can't see how it would be any different. New York seems to always reload their roster and have that depth year in, year out. So I'm going to have to side with the Baby Bulls here in a 3-0 win. Um, two things. One, I think uh, if we're just strictly speaking about last year, Red Bull 2 had almost legitimately everybody's number. Um, so that's kind of a, a, I was just a, saying a more so point. for Harris. Okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, those were, like, a couple of their biggest wins, I think, last year. Uh, I'm sure a certain uh, Red Bull 2 writer will let me know about that one. Um, and then and then 2, and a completely non-sequitur and kind of selfish thing. Did I get the Baby Bulls thing over, or were people calling them that before? I called them that a lot during my um, ELO rankings articles when I was trying to find new nicknames right. to call the team other than New York Red Bulls 2 and YRB 2. and. Mm. Baby Bulls was like my goal to was my go to number three pick. It's a good one. It's really good. It's almost my number one to be honest. Um, but that's because I, I like I you know I have a soft spot for cows. Um, but it, it also doesn't work out well. I mean I can't really say the baby sounders or the baby timbers as you, much. You can. It just doesn't like I think you could call like the baby timbers would be like the saplings maybe. Uh, baby, baby sounders like the inlets. I don't know. Like it would be a water-based kind of thing. Baby, baby inlets. <laughs> talk it's a shame we don't talk about those teams in this podcast because I would drive that one into the ground. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know everything you said um, rings true for me. Uh, I think that uh, Florian Velo and uh, Vincent Bezacourt are two of the most dangerous players in USL and I think it would be really scary if they had Adam Niem on their team yet but they don't so like thank god um Red Bull 2-2 Harrisburg nothing I I think is is what I'm gonna go with uh just because I (laughs) was not in well yeah I I really don't think Harrisburg has any has anything going in this one in terms of uh like I like Cardell Benbow but I don't think he's a a good enough one-man show to make a den against Red Bull 2 here Moving on again, Toronto FC 2. Wait, Evan, didn't they just play on Tuesday? Yeah, they play again on Friday. Um, sucks to... God, that's awful. Uh, awful scheduling. Uh, Friday, they play Rochester in Toronto. Uh, just because Rochester doesn't play on Tuesday and, and like they don't have to fly from Orlando to, to Toronto, they go from Rochester to Toronto. Uh, there's no way Rochester doesn't win this game, and if they if they lose it, I don't know. I'll buy like a Toronto FC two scarf. <laughs> we'll just do that. Yeah, I mean it's, I mean playing their now their third match within the span of six days. That's yeah. the fatigue has to be wearing on them. I mean they've gone from now Phoenix to Tampa. Uh, or they had Phoenix in the first week, and then now going from Orlando, Tampa to Orlando. This is just a very long road swing over the first mm-hmm. two weeks. Yeah. And I think it's going to get to them, and Rochester is going to have this one in hand 2-0. Uh, 
Yeah, I have the Rhinos at three. Uh, three nothing. Just I, uh, Darius Madison impressed me a lot this weekend. Um, I think he's a very dynamic player. Um, I also like uh, uh, Jalen Dover. I think his first name's Jalen. But uh, the kid, he just made his professional debut against Bethlehem in limited action. I think he got like 10 or 15 minutes. And um, he looked really sharp on, on both ends of the ball. Um, I think they, I think they use him a little bit uh, more heavily next week, um, and and they'll benefit with that. I think he actually gets his first professional goal against uh, Toronto FC too. So I have a, I have three 0 uh, for Rochester, uh, Richmond, and Louisville City. Uh, not an easy one to call. Um, I don't like betting no, against Richmond at home, so I'm not going to. I have the kickers at uh, at one nothing. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one. I feel like I'm very encouraged by Louisville from their offensive showing that also, but that may also be from playing the team at or in the last place at the Eastern Conference. But a player like Luke Spencer, who came off the bench and got six shots for the team, which I'm sure led the team in goals that night and put him in the top five, or led the team in shots that night and put him in the top five of shots in the Eastern Conference for one appearance. That's really hard to ignore. I think George Davis, the fourth, really clicked that night, and everything just sort of came together for Louisville. I'm going to go 2 1 to the Kentucky Club. Um, yeah, I. And, like, when I say 1 nothing to Richmond, I don't mean that Louisville is completely anemic offensively. I just think that Richmond is that tough to play at home. Um, uh, again, like I think we said it like five or six times now, those old guard teams, um, which is a good segue, are uh, a bit of a different breed in that they don't really care how much of the ball you have as long as you don't get close to their goal. Um, so, yeah. yeah I, they're defensive-minded in nature. Yes. Um, so I, I don't think, you know, I think Louisville City gets more chances off on Richmond than anybody else has this year, but I don't think it's enough. Uh, hey, speaking of the old guard in USL, it is officially, officially, the first match in the old guard shield competition. What's that, Evan? Uh, so basically, uh, who is that? Okay, here we go, here we go. Charleston, Pittsburgh, Harrisburg, Richmond, Rochester. Rochester. Hey, there it is. Uh, it's like I wrote something on it earlier in the year. I did. You should check <laughs> it out. It's actually really good. I'm biased, but like it's actually it's, it's it's I had I had fun writing it, and that's when you write your best stuff. Anyway, um, they all got together and they said, "Let's do a little tournament between the five of us because we are the guys who've been here the longest." Um, there is a physical shield. I don't know. Uh, I know Pittsburgh. Uh, one gentleman, in fact, uh, uh, Dan Yost, came up with the idea. Um, I actually haven't heard anything on his end about if the shield's gonna be in Charleston for this game I'm gonna err on the side of caution and say it won't be but be on the lookout for it because it is going to be a physical shield that exists which is really cool um the clubs have all like adopted it even though they didn't know anything about it before I'm rambling anyway the first game of this competition is between the Charleston Battery and the Pittsburgh Riverhounds another really difficult one to try to figure out I think Pittsburgh's played Mm -hmm. better than one point and uh that being said you know they don't have one of their starting center backs so um, I, I think Charleston will, will get the win here, but it'll be a close game again. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be another really highly contested match. It's in recent form, it's really hard to bet against Charleston, especially at home. 
I mean, Forrest Lasso's been very well for the offensive production for Charleston. But Pittsburgh, at least with Corey Hartzog and Kevin Kerr up front, it's not to di- to get discouraged from their match against Cincinnati. And they showed flashes and a lot of chances against New York that they're a very good team this year. But I'll go with 2-1 Charleston because I feel like that red card to the center back is going to hurt them. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised if Pittsburgh can get out of Charleston, South Carolina with a point from a 1-1 draw. But... 2-1 Charleston's my pick. Yeah, um, after all that, I'll talk myself out of a Charleston win. I'll say that it will be a 1-1 draw. Um, I haven't been kind to the Riverhounds the first two weeks of this of this season. That's not true. I guess the 1-0 over Red Bull 2 the first week. But uh, I'll be a little bit nicer. I'll say a 1-1 draw. Uh, also, those guys like to give me, uh, give me hell when I don't pick their team. So there you go, everybody. Um... <laughs> Next on the list, Orlando City B, uh, the team that played on Tuesday as well. A little bit easier. They were home on Tuesday. They're home again on Saturday against the Charlotte Independents who are looking for their their first point. Um, like flip a coin and then just kind of pick whichever team, you know, you want, really. Yeah, I mean... I- I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna side with Charlotte here and say two 0 of Orlando. I mean against Louisville, against Tampa. Oh, I'm still waiting for Orlando to show me that they can produce offense on their own before I consider them being picked over another team. But until then, it's gonna be really hard to side. I mean even Charlotte, a team who made the playoffs last year, had basically a game against the Battery earlier this week. I'm still gonna side with them two 0 I have, I have a coin. I got a coin. I don't know how much of that picked up, but I, I got one. Um, I suppose I will do uh, Heads Orlando and Tails Independence. I'm going to flip. I'm actually going to flip this. And, of course, it falls to where I cannot see it. Just choose a team in your head. Okay, no, I got I to gotta read on it. It's Tails. Uh, Charlotte will win by a score of, uh, I don't know, like 2 nothing. We should we'll do that. We'll do that picked all the World Cup teams on the show. Yeah, basically. Just set it up. Or like the yeah. when uh, when Jimmy Fallon has the puppies come out. Or uh, any, there's a large variety of like that kind of animal pick sports event gimmick. And uh, whichever one you like the best will be what that was right there. So um, anyway. On to the NASL Derby. Um, expansion Derby. The Expansion Derby. Tampa Bay Rowdies playing the Ottawa Fury for the first time ever in USL. In USL. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, the Rowdies are probably going to win this, right? Because Ottawa doesn't have a point yet. But I think this is going to be a tight game. I think these teams generally, or genuinely, uh, don't enjoy each other. Um little big brother little brother kind of thing going on and we'll uh, we'll see how that works i have i have tampa bay at a uh, two to one ah, no i don't i have tampa bay at three to one i can't i can't i don't think they score anything less than like two goals from here on out yeah i mean recent form shows that it's really difficult to pick against tampa right now and i guess recent mls expansion games in, in atlanta over minnesota six one have showed no. that one team that 
made really big splashes entering the league, just almost excels when the two play each other. But I think Ottawa is a yeah. lot better than Minnesota, even in their current state right now. Wow. The USL. Oh, I'm I'm just poking fun at Minnesota. They did just get their first win over Real Salt they Lake. But I digress. Someone had to give it to them, you know. Um. I di- yeah, I digress. But I'm going to have to decide Tampa uh, 3-2, and Ottawa gets another really close one that probably should have been a draw. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, second to last game of the weekend on the eastern side of things, St. Louis playing the reigning defending champions Red Bull 2. Uh, in in Red Bull's second game of the weekend, uh, traveling from New York to St. Louis. Uh, again, these teams are, are right, you know, neck and neck, four and five in the East. So, um, really, just kind of depends on, uh, you know, if you like Christian Veleski or a bunch of French guys better. Um, I I seem to recall that Veleski's a little bit fond of scoring against Red Bull too. I don't know if I'm making that up or if that's actually true. Um, but we'll just say that he likes scoring against Red Bull too. I think St. Louis gets a win here. Uh, I'm gonna go three two in a shootout, but uh, that's what I that's what I got. That's how I'm feeling. Yeah, it's funny when you mentioned Valeski. They had when he was with Rochester. They played to a, a lot of different draws mm. throughout last season with New York, but I still think traveling on the road. It's St. Louis is a very tough environment to play in, and yep. they showed when they faced Ottawa this past week that they kind of got everything situated. If St. Louis, if Valeski, Bergman, if they can score early like they did against Ottawa, it may put the game out really early, and I'm not sure if New York has that team mentality to battle back like Ottawa did to mm-hmm. only lose by one goal, and again, that was an own goal. But I still feel like New York is a strong club, another club I'd pick for top four in the East from recent form. I'll go 2-2 draw. What? I couldn't freeze. There we go. Anyway, your, uh, your, <laughs> your main event as far as we're considered, uh, or we're concerned, this weekend, Bethlehem Steel at home again, uh, playing FC Cincinnati. Um... I actually, it's funny. I was I was just talking to uh, to Mike Walker of uh, Last Word on Soccer. He's one of our podcasts um, in the in the Beautiful Game Network, and uh, I told him two one, or I'm about to tell him two one. So I kind of have to lock in two one for Bethlehem. Um, I I think there won't be as many loans from the first team, and at the same time, I also think they kind of figure out their uh, positions a little better, and they come out a little bit stronger. Last week it was flat for for at least a half an hour. Um, but I, I do think FC Cincinnati, you know, it's just kind of inevitable when they get a goal against you. It's just all about preventing the next one. And I think Bethlehem has the defensive prowess to do that. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you that loans from the first team is definitely going to help Bethlehem in this case. I mean, FC Cincinnati did win their last match, so they have at least that momentum going for them, and they showed that they're still very top-heavy, as you said in our first recording. I, I think the loans from the first team cancels out that top heaviness for FC Cincinnati, and it, I, it's really hard for me to argue against a 1-1 draw between these two sides. It's just, I, I think Bethlehem has their game a bit raised this year, mm-hmm. All right, Cincinnati is still trying to find themselves, so 1-1 draw. 
I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think we're we're good. Um, it's a bit abbreviated yeah, this yeah. week, uh, mostly because I think there's just two of us, um, mm -hmm. and on top of that, we were a little. Uh, we're we're trying to get out of here before midnight. Um, <laughs> that <laughs> being said, the recording didn't go uh, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know it happens. Uh, before we jinx it, uh, this has been Eastern Conference Confidential episode uh, fourteen. We are part of the Beautiful Game Network of podcasts. If you want to listen to this kind of er before everybody else does, in a way, uh, like we don't have a Patreon or anything where you can give us extra money and we'll throw it to you early. <laughs> But uh, I, I find that a lot of times our podcast goes up first on our website, uh, bgn.fm. Uh, also, give it a follow on Twitter at the bgn.fm. Uh, they'll post it as soon as it goes up. Mike's really good about that. And then I just kind of retweet from there. Follow us as a podcast on Twitter at eccpod. That's a, it's a really good way to get in touch. I'll pretty much respond to anything you put there. Um, in fact, including someone correcting us that uh, the Cincinnati uh, uh, fullback that we really went to town on last week uh, had yeah, trialed with them for it. yeah yeah uh, had trialed for them uh, in one game and they and they saw them the week before that in in training so um, a little bit inaccurate but if there's stuff like that that we mess up about your team and you want to tell us how much we suck at, at doing this. <laughs> Um, feel free at ECC pod. If it's like for me directly, uh, at Valella, it's V as in Victor, I L L E L L A B S F C. And then, um, for Ryan, if you want to follow on Twitter and also simultaneously to learn the airport code for Wilmington, he can cover you on, on both cases. Ryan, why don't you let the people know where you are? You can find me on Twitter at ILM underscore Ryan. And I also write for, um, Indomitable City Soccer from Sacramento on SB Nation. Hey, Josh. Hey, Kyle. Under the same moniker of at ILM underscore Ryan, I usually work with the stats, the ELO ratings, which should come out in a couple months, and the player ratings for the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I guess I should say if you, uh, if you for whatever reason, want to read more about uh, Bethlehem Steel, uh, the old guard shield I did an article on a couple months ago. Um, what else? Odds and sods, kind of uniony stuff occasionally, um, anything like that, or just a, you know, if you want to go to a really good place, uh, and that's not even because I, I write for them and I, I genuinely uh, enjoy a lot of the people over there that I work with. But Brotherly Game is where you can find me. That's a that's a sister site of ICS, um, and and really, the SB Nation, like especially USL. Uh, as a whole is really really solid i don't think there's really a bad outlet out there for usl because uh if you follow this league chances are you you love it in a way um and when you care about something you tend to write your best stuff about it anyway uh mm -hmm. i'll stop rambling uh a beautiful game networker podcast please check out all of those guys they're awesome uh they're funny they're entertaining they know their shit which is always a welcome change from a lot of the other stuff that you could be listening to um yeah so so uh give everyone a listen give everyone a follow uh, send us all hate mail i don't know uh, whatever you want to do for ryan uh for brendan who's not here i promise he's still alive i uh <laughs> will send you a lack of an obituary i guess at some point but um i've been your host Evan this has been episode 14 we will see you guys uh next week <laughs>